Welcome back to the Coach and Kernan Podcast Network. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame sports writer Kevin Kernan, and this is Real Voices of the Game. Today, we've got a treat for you. We've got former agent Chris Leibel. Uh, Chris has got a lot of great stories, and he's got a lot of uh, has had a lot of roles in baseball. And we'll get to all those. Um, has had some really well-known clients, uh, guys like Jose Reyes, but has some stories with some guys that he helped out that may not be as well-known and maybe more gratifying sometimes uh, with those those young, younger little guys helping them up the way. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and Kevin, welcome back. I know you're traveling and uh, t- tough to get on. We're fortunate to have you again uh, today on Real Voices. Oh, it's been a blast. I've um, been up uh, running around like crazy, had my 50th high school reunion over the weekend. And not only that, I had to MC the event. So I was like uh, three hours on, it's like a three hour show. And, uh, I, but I kept everybody, told them stories, made them laugh, had some good times, made fun of people, you know, just the typical high school stuff. Did you know you were going to have to MC? I knew about a day ahead of time, you know, and, and like I said, you know, we're all the class clowns. You know, you get nothing but class clowns in high school, but they all disappear at the uh, at the reunion. So um, <laughs> it was good. Um, they got a little bit of AMBS. Oh, great! No, I didn't. I didn't know you were doing that. Obviously, you didn't know until the day before. So, but that's your that's your strength. You could go up there and, and do it with the best of them. So, I bet. Uh, but it was a great time enjoying your grandkids too. Absolutely, <laughs> lots of games. Pop Warner. Actually, I, I got to say this before we get to Chris. The game is never over, folks. I'm at my uh, grandson's Pop Warner game, football. Last, you know, about a minute left in the game. And our team is winning. We, uh, we're driving up the field. Really just have to make another first down. We made the first down. The running back keeps running, loses the ball, has it stripped from him at about the 50-yard line, and they run it in for a touchdown. And uh, all of a sudden... Oof. Our, yeah, exactly. Our team is losing, but it gets better. And, uh, and it, these are kids that are learning the game. I give them a lot of credit. It's not easy. Uh, but we make a flea flicker pass and we're on about the five. Time is running out. No timeouts left. Spike it. Get a play. Um, gain about three yards. So on about the two-yard line. We, we, uh, and we're on fourth down. The poor quarterback lost count of the downs and spiked it on fourth down. So, so those kids learned a hard lesson, not only lo- losing a lead in the last minute, but then having the chance to recover. And it gets all back to two minute offense and uh, little things. And that's why uh, that's why we got Chris on. Little things mean a lot, but these are lessons you learn when you play the game. You know, was, these kids are playing their heart out, and I give them a lot of credit. They're not playing video games; they're out on the field busting. You know, really busting hard to get things done, and they they, they learn they'll learn from that experience. No, it's it sounds like the ups and downs in a matter of two minutes, and that's what seventh grade pop Warner football, right? Basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. And one one little correction before we start the show, I, I think I uh, misspoke in the beginning. I said former sports agent Chris is still a sports agent, uh, just taking a little downtime right now, and much needed as you'll hear from his his life's experience through the industry. So, um, Chris, I want to start off. Uh, and I know you've handled, you've been involved with a lot of big name guys, both as a uh, a member of the Mets organization and an agent. But I want to I want to mention a, maybe a little known name guy and talk about the positive that you felt from that small gain. Um, 
as opposed to some of these bigger gains down the road. We all think of the Jerry Maguire moment where they're, you know, show me the money. But um, I want to mention a guy by the name of Ozzy Chavez. Do you remember that name? Yeah, sure. Ozzy's a, oh. Ozzy's a good friend, yeah. Tell us that story with Ozzy. For a oh, yeah. So Ozzy, uh, Ozzy's uh, a minor, was a minor league player. Uh, good, good, good uh, shortstop, young guy at the time. And uh, he made his way through the uh, – through the game and and he he kind of topped out at uh, at AAA and never got to the big leagues. But he was a very good minor league player. He was actually coaching um, in the Red Sox organization. He was actually just the manager of the year in the Dominican Summer League this past summer for the Red Sox. So he's a he's a great guy and a great um, you know good good baseball guy and uh, a great player and uh, just didn't get to the to the top of the mountain like some of the other big names, um, but. Yeah, no, I, it's just uh, it's a story that some people know about, and and obviously you did your homework, Dave, to find this one. But yeah, basically, um, you know, back in the days when um, we used to use BlackBerry Messenger, um, there used to be like a little message you could have on there as kind of like your your motto or whatever it was. And um, not that he told me this, but I was just going to send him a message, and I noticed on his thing it said, "When you have in uh, when you have God and Chris, you have everything." And I was kind of taken back by that because uh, he, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, it was obviously extremely flattering, um, but I had just helped him out and got him a job. And, um, you know, I think he didn't think he was going to get one that year. And, you know, he was very appreciative and, and put that down and didn't even bring it to my attention. But, he let, you know, all the people that knew him would see that. And, you know, so obviously that, that meant a lot to me. And um, he's somebody that, you know, I maintain a relationship to this day. And, you know, it's one thing when... When you're an agent and when, you know, when we used to sign guys, but when I used to sign guys back, back then, like we always used to tell them, you know, you know what you were your agent, but your agent for life, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stop, you know, you're hoping obviously everybody gets rich and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, you know, I think that's one thing I always prided myself on is just making sure I always take care of it. I always hear from former clients and guys I haven't heard from and sometimes in a long time, or I try and stay in touch with as many as I can. Um, it's harder and harder with numbers changing and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it's something I always try to try to do. And, uh, you know, like I said, a guy like Ozzy, Ozzy's a great guy. And uh, he's somebody who was able to get him a job with the Red Sox uh, many years ago. And he's he's been doing a great job there. And, you know, you know I think one, one day he, he may actually get to the States and end up becoming a coach. He's bilingual and he's, he's just a great, great, great baseball guy and a, a good person. That was good company to be in, though. God, that's pretty good. Yeah, um, not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, and so, and Ozzy, if I'm right, did, did he go? For, you took him. He went. Was at the independent leagues at that time, and you, you got him an opportunity with an affiliate again. Did I read that? Uh, right? I, 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 you might be right there. You might be right there. Yeah, um, but he's a. You know, like I said, he was a guy who who kind of topped out in AAA. Um, good, good player, but never, you know, never got got to the top of the mountain. But you're helping them transition. That's great. That's a Kevin. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, I, I've known Chris for many years, and you know, hardworking, good sense of humor. You got to have a sense of humor, right, Chris, to be an agent. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's it's a it's a tough business. Um, it's very competitive. It's it can be very cutthroat. Um, that's as Kevin knows. That's not really my personality. But if I have to get get down, I might. I have to, but. Um, you know, but for the most part, you know, I try um, to uh, I've built my I, my, you know, um, you know, my career on on relationships and being able to maintain relationships with 
whoever it is, obviously you need them with the clients and your, you know, the players, but also with the teams are, is obviously very important. And the media, as Kevin knows, very important. And, you know, whatever it is, equipment companies or marketing companies or whoever it is, because there's so many things you do um, as an agent. So you always, it's always good to have good relationships and you never know. That's one thing about also about my job is that you, you never know um, what you're, you know, what's going to be next or what's going to come up or what you're going to need, where you're going to need, um, who you're going to need to lean on or who you need to get help from. So. And, and the other part of that is, you know, like you said, um, the, the lifelong relationships and, you know, Jose Reyes, a client, obviously, but, uh, what's Jose up to now? Um, I know he, um, I know he's really into music, but just give us an update on what, what, what Jose Reyes is doing now after, uh, yeah. His wonderful career. Yeah, yeah. He Jose is now a rapper, uh, Dominican style, and uh, he has a studio he built in his house. And uh, he uh, he's he, he you know uh, he does it for fun. He enjoys it. He's actually been able to be successful with it. Um, and he's kind of had this second opportunity, but he's um, you know to be able to have a, a second career. Um, and it, believe it or not, he's he's you know, this, his music is being heard all around the world. Uh, it's on all the different, um, all the different areas, you know, um, avenues. You, you can, you can listen to music and purchase music, Spotify and YouTube, and he's everywhere with this stuff. And he's, you know, he's turned it into uh, a, a nice little second career and he's having fun with it. He still lives here in New York and uh, he's, uh, you know, he's having a blast. High, a high energy guy. So it makes sense. Yep. It makes sense that he would trans, you know, transition to something like that. Yeah. He wasn't going to be uh, sitting on his couch and uh, <laughs> eating bonbons. And nope. <laughs> when did you first, uh, one other quick Jose, when did you first meet him and how did your relationship develop? So Jose, um, uh, we had represented um, Edgardo Alfonso, who was a, another great Met player. Um, his Hall of Famer for the Mets. Uh, and Edgardo's brother as well. Um, although he, I didn't represent Edgardo's brother, his brother's name is actually Edgar. Um, was another great baseball guy and Edgar, another guy who didn't get to the big leagues, but great baseball guy coached for a long time, um, with, with the Mets and other organizations. Um, and he was coaching, he was managing in Kingsport, Tennessee, and he actually called us and told us we have a kid there. You have to, you have to sign. At the time, um, we didn't we wouldn't sign a client unless we got to know him. Okay, and um, we weren't uh, a trip to Kingsport wasn't on our agenda at that point. Uh, and we said, you know, well, we'll, we'll meet him uh, when the time's right. And and he said, no, 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 you don't understand. You you got to sign him now. <laughs> if you want this guy, you got to sign him now. He's not going to be get, available. Get on the next plane. Yeah. So well, actually, it was funny. So um, we. I had, as you know, Kevin, I had worked for the Mets in the front office and I'd worked in this. I, I actually started in scout in the scouting department for the Mets and the Dominican, the head of the Dominican um, operations was a guy named Eddie Toledo. Uh, another great baseball guy still in the game today. Awesome person. Uh, him and I had a great relationship and I did, hadn't heard of Jose, but I had, I was about a year removed from working there. Uh, and I had called Eddie and um asked I, I asked Eddie, I said, who is uh who is uh who's this guy Jose Reyes? Is he somebody we should sign? And Eddie said, Chris, when Jose came to my uh my workout 
in, in Santiago. He said, he was walking towards me with his parents and I saw a halo above his head. And I said, wait, wait. I called, I called uh, my partners and I said, we, we got to sign this guy right away. We got to get this guy right away. So we, we signed him sight unseen. And uh, he literally kind of, he was a guy who signed for very little money and wasn't a big name um, uh, as a 16 year old. And then he just exploded. And within the next two years, he was minor league player of the year and was the number one prospect in baseball. So um, with him, I, Jose and I, um, we just, it was a weird thing because at the time I didn't speak a word of Spanish and he didn't speak a word of English, but I just, I, I had, after speaking to Eddie and um, getting a chance to meet him, I don't know, I had a very good feeling with him and we just, um, we just hit it off right away. And we, I spent a lot of time with him and um, always tried to be, um, you know, there for him, whatever he needed and um, was able to develop a great relationship with him. He, he wasn't a guy who had a lot of people around him. He came from a very small family um, and kind of, you know, he, you know, once he, you know, once I, I, you know, got his trust, he, you know, he really leaned on me for anything and everything. And, and honestly, and still does to this day. That's great. Yeah. I, I think the role of the agent sometimes is often, it, it's kind of glorified by the movies and, and the stuff that you do the space between the notes is often unknown. You mentioned a couple of roles you play, Chris, you know, equipment, marketing, sounds like friend, confidant. What are some of the other roles? If, if you're talking to young kids in the audience that are thinking of becoming an agent, what are some roles they've got to be prepared to play for yeah, their play? Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, I've had clients tell me like, you should, you should have been a psychiatrist. And, you know, uh, you know, you know, a lot of that stuff is things like that, you know, you, you know, because um, playing baseball is, is it's, it's not easy. It's a tough game. Uh, you play, you know, if you get to the major leagues and you're lucky to get there, you got a hundred, you know, 162 games and 182 days. And that doesn't count, you know, almost two months of spring training. And it's a grind and you're constantly on the road. You know, you hear um, people, you know, uh, sometimes you get a call, you're saying about marketing or whatever, like, hey, I got to, you know, hey, I know the Mets have an off day on Monday. Is there any way, you know, we can get him to come do this or come to a charity dinner? And you're like, uh, well, it's an off day. They don't play, but they're actually flying to Los Angeles that day. Or, you know, you know, the, the off days aren't really off days, um, generally speaking. So it's they're few and far between. It's a, it's a very tough on these guys. So a lot of it is, you know, just kind of uh, I think a lot of it is is the mental side and just trying to keep them in a good place if you are able to have that confianza with them, you know. So um, that's, that's, I think, a big part of it. Um, you know, obviously you have to be there and available and, um, you know, on top of, and, and again, everybody's different. You have different personalities. I've had clients who want me to check in with them constantly. I have clients who tell me, hey, listen, don't worry about me. If you need, if I need anything, I'll let you know. I'll be in touch. And then, you know, you don't hear from them for, for a month, you know. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, you, you know, I think that's that's a big thing, and you know, obviously, it's the relationships and and building the, that that confidence with them, and um, I think those are those are some key factors. Obvious, with the uh, aside from the obvious, you know, having to ha get get good contracts, having to be able to bring them some money off the field, be, be able to also just be their advocate, you know, be able to talk to the teams um, and kind of understand what's going on. Because a lot of times you'll get. Uh, oh, I'm doing this and why aren't I going this or why aren't I playing every day or why aren't they calling me up to double A? I'm in single A hitting, you know, 
290 and why aren't I getting up there or whatever it is you want to do, you know? So, so it's a lot of, a lot of things like that. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. And, and I, I, I want to go to art to the game now. It seems to me, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, because one other thing I want, I want our listeners to understand too, Chris is a little bit like Larry David, things happen to him, you know, uh, and he, and he's got a great sense of humor about it. And, and, he rolls with it, but at the same time, he'll 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 hold his ground, uh, much like Larry David, and it's it's pretty funny. But with today's uh, minor leagues and and guys being drafted high, if, how how does a young player move up nowadays when everything is so numbers based? And do they actually are they listening to to um, are they listening to like just the guys who can play the game well. And a perfect example, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking now, and you, you you tell me, with the shift rules going into effect next year, I'm, I'm not a fan of them. I think the hitters should have taken care of the shift. Uh, you know, they should have just, uh, like if Jose was still playing in his prime, you know, he, he could bunt all day long and have doubles, you know. But mm-hmm. So he should have taken care of himself. But now with the shift now, what, what are we going to get now out of second baseman and shortstops? Because it seems like for the last few years, they've, they've basically turned these players into robots. They don't move. And I'm not picking on anybody with the Yankees, but, and I'm not saying you got to die, but on that base hit, even up the middle that won the game the other day, nobody dived. You yeah. know, I mean, not, not that you're going to get it, but you never know. Ball could take a wacky hop, you know? So they're so stagnant. So what are we going to get in the future now? And, and you still being, you know, an agent, uh, these young middle infielders now, they got to be get back to some athleticism, I would I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the million dollar question. It's going to be very interesting to see next year when these new rules, you know, go into effect, how they um, change the game. And obviously the game has changed quite a bit, even over the past five or six years. Um, how they're going to change it. I, I think they're trying to get some of the things back. Um, you said 150 years, a line drive up the middle is, is a single. Now it's not necessarily most of the time. And, um, you know, then you're seeing these batting averages where you're like, oh my, you know, where you're just like, how, how is this getting up? It's funny. We, we uh, when Edgardo Alfonso got inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame, we were watching the game with, um, he had a suite at the game and we watched the game with, um, I, w- I was watching the game with 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 Edgardo, Mike Piazza, a lot of the guys from the Mets that I was when I worked for the Mets. A lot of the guys that were you know on the team when I was there, and uh, you know I forget who was up, and you know they you know the guy's batting, and he's he put his stats on the board. He's hitting one eighty four with twenty four homers, and Mike Piazza goes, "How is the guy in the lineup to hit twenty four home runs but hitting one eighty four? Exactly, like, you know, and it's just you know, but but I think a lot of it is. The fact that these hit, you know, the things that, you know, the first thing you learn when you're playing baseball and Kevin, you brought up your, your grandson and I, I coach my sons now. And it's like the first thing you're looking for is you, you tell them, okay, hey, just, you know, right back through the origin area, just hit, line drives up the middle. That's what we want. Now you hit line drives up the middle and they're just one hop grounders, you know, turn out to be one hop grounders to the shortstop because the guy's standing there or the second baseman or whoever, you know, whatever the way the guy's hitting. You have but, to control the bat a little bit now. No, exactly. It's, but it's a different, it's a whole different thing now. You know, you're getting, you know, you go the greatest, the best hitters aren't necessarily, you know, the guys who hit it the hardest or whatever, like it, you know, like it generally has, has been throughout the history of the game. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out these different rules. I think, you know, obviously, um, you know, I'm definitely a big proponent of it. I think the game, 
you know, uh, to me, it's the game is up the middle. Obviously, it starts with pitching, but you know, I think you know these teams that are strong with the middle are the better team are generally the the teams you see do well. And um, you know, even when you're looking at the draft situation, like you were just referring to, Kevin, like you want you know you who's getting drafted. It's you know you're generally it's shortstops and center fielders and pitchers and catchers. You know. The other guys, if you could play those positions at a high level in high school or college, you know, they know you could play anywhere else. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, you, you're not seeing as many of those other position of the other positions being, um, you know, being drafted. Um, so, like, you know, but I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think to me, that's the way the game is supposed to be played. Um, I, I agree with you that it should have been corrected by the hitters because, you know, but but it hasn't been. So. I actually kind of like the rule because I, I do would like to see the game go back to a little bit to where it was because it it's kind of unrecognizable at this point in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, unrecognizable. <laughs> I got to ask you too, Just I just thought of it. Players are emotional. We saw, I don't know if you're watching the Yankees last night, yep. but Josh, Josh Naylor hits that home run and then he does that wacky baby, rock the baby. I yep. mean, yeah. I can live with that if that's the end of the game and you're winning the series. Wow. I mean, when I see something like that, uh, is, 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 do players understand ramifications? And if, you know, uh, when things like that happen, that could be, uh, I mean, I, I, I had to fire the Yankees up in my book. Yeah. I think, you know, the, again, you said the game has changed a lot and it's changed a lot more recently. Um, even like, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, I mean, that wouldn't be accepted. Now it's, it is, you know, and, and again, I don't want to be a hypocrite because, you know, Kevin, I'm a big Miami guy, hurricane guy. And, I know you, you know, are. that's, I know you, you know, that's kind of how the, the whole program was built, but like, you know, but it wasn't, you know, it was when, you know, uh, you know, in a different, different, you know, um, kind of setting, but like, I agree with you. I mean, um, I don't particularly like that part of the game. I like the more the business-like um, approach to it. I, I, the emotion, the real emotion is 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 awesome, but uh, I don't like that kind of thing. And I think, you know, uh, you know, if you go back to the, to the old days, you know, I mean, and again, this is going way back as before my time, but like, you know, you hear the stories of, you know, of Don Drysdale or Bob Gibson or these, you know, these guys, there's, you know, if, if, if that happened on their watch, that would be, you know, this guy wouldn't, wouldn't be getting, you know, would, would be ending up taking off on a stretcher. I mean, there's no, it just wouldn't be allowed. The game used to, you know, uh, manage itself, but now these guys are um, very emotional and, you know, again, uh, it's changed a lot, but the world has changed a lot too, you know, Kevin. So it's, you know, you kind of have to go with the flow sometimes. Well, and that's part of your job now. I'm sure you still have, you know, you're dealing when, when players change, you have to change a certain way. Yeah. And still guide them, but also let them be themselves. To find exactly. Them. Exactly. But again, what is being accepted now is different than, than it was, you know, years ago. And so, you know, that's part of the game now. So uh, again, I, I'm not a fan of that. I thought that looked silly, but you know, that, you know, that's, that's just me. And, if it was my client, I'd be like, that was amazing, you know, so, so <laughs> yeah. you know. That's what I was going to ask you, Chris, if you would, you know, obviously people have different opinions on social media and I'm sure the, the young guys nowadays are glued to that stuff uh, different than yeah. when we were young, but how would you address your client with that? Would you even address it at all? Would you give them the, the positives, negatives? Would you tell them one of those stories back in the day or just kind of let it ride? Uh it would depend. 
It depends. I think everything depends on your relationship with that person. Certain people take things well, certain people don't, certain people, you know, you can talk to certain people, you know, you're better off not, you know, uh, causing an issue with it. And again, you always have to walk the line as an agent too, because, you know, uh, it's very competitive and you always have people out there looking to steal your clients and all that stuff. And that's just very obviously prevalent and common in our, in our game and uh, in, in this line of work. So again, you know, if you think you can help the guy and say, listen, you know, I don't know if that was something I would do, you know, and the guy you think this guy is going to say, you know, you're right. I just got emotional, whatever, you know, then that's one thing. If you think that is going to be like, well, screw you. I don't care what you think. Uh, you know, that's everybody loved it. You know, I was like, I'm the king of Cleveland, you know? So, uh, you know, I, you know, I think it just depends on there's too many, um, you know, variables. To, to I guess a better question would be how, how would you prepare for New York tonight? Because remember back when when Pedro. Yeah, that's a good question. Up, we know about uh, I guess the Yankees were my daddy tonight, and the next night he pitched out there. Was oh yeah, he's daddy, gonna get daddy. He, he's gonna get booed. And again, some guys thrive on that. You know that. I, I think a lot of the Latin guys, and again, I've worked with mostly Latin guys. You know where they come from. You know, people say you know like if you go to like in Venezuela, they have you know Magallanes and Caracas is a big rivalry. It's like the Yankees, Red Sox or whatever, like, you know, that's like going to a, that's like going to a, uh, you know, like a, you know, like a, whatever for me, I'll say a Florida state Miami game. I mean, you know, there's not too much like that on the, on, on, on the planet. You know what I mean? Where, I mean, they're crazy. So they, some of the guys really love that, like to get booed. Some guys like the, uh, uh, you know, like that, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, the, the energy, you know, that they're getting from it, whether it's good or bad, you know, from the fans. So some guys rise to the occasion, some guys won't. But I mean, it seems like, he, again, I don't know him, I don't know him at all, but it seems like he might might like it uh, just from watching him a little bit. But yeah, I um, think you're right. I don't know. Yeah. I hope so. I hope yeah, he's going to get a, he's going to get who's my daddy. And uh, from an agent perspective, what do you see in the, uh, you know, the Aaron judge, not, not who's going to get him because it's all up in the air. It's, it's going to be judge's decision. We know you, you just talked about having different players and stuff. Yep. Judge seems to me, if, if you were representing him, he's the kind of guy that leans on his agent, but makes his own decisions. But what kind of, uh, what kind of a market just from an agent perspective, do you see out there the incredible market with judge, what that's going to be like? Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be very, very obviously interesting. Um, you know, I don't, uh, with, when it comes to these things, as I say, like there's so many variables and unless you're on the inside, which, you know, I'm not, I, I know you, you have a good relationship with judge Kevin, but again, I don't know how, how much, you know, you know, on the inside or whatever. Um, but, um, I think obviously there'll be a great market for him. I think, um, you know, to get inside his head and know what his, what his priorities are would be, would definitely be interesting to, to know um, before answering that. Um, and it would be helpful to know. So I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to find out obviously eventually, but you know, I mean, some guys feel like, Hey, listen, I'm here. This is where I want to be. I don't want to leave. Um, I don't know that if that's the case or not the case with him, I have no idea. Um, but again, uh, you know, maybe he's looking for, for a great, you know, to, to get out of New York. Maybe he's, you know, had enough of the Yankees and wants to move. I mean, I just don't, I have no idea what his priorities are. Um, and I don't know his relationship with his agent either. Again, agents, every agent 
um, handles things differently. I think the way that we always handled it and I always handled it was that the player is the boss and he's the one who makes the decisions and I'm there to help guide him and put all the information in front of him and help him make the best decision for him and his family. Cause it's, he'll make those, you know, he's going to live that life. You know, if the guy wants to go and do what, you know, do what A-Rod did and go to Texas and, and not be, you know, whatever, then, then you, you know, he, you know, then he's going to, you know, he's the one who has to live that life, you know? I, I really don't know where he'll go. I just know he wants to be obviously in a winning situation. I don't know if how much family plays into it, but getting back home and things like that, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Uh, he, he already has established, obviously, a legacy in New York. So that's something you got to consider as well. Uh, but the one thing I do know from a team perspective, this is the guy I want simply because not only talent-wise, but also, you know, um, you know what you're getting, right? He's a yeah, he, you know what you're getting. He's he's going to show up every day to work hard. And I think that's, you know, I'm sure that's one of the things you impress upon the the, the work ethic. Uh, just, just explain to us some, you know, because you've seen, you know, especially the Latin American kids, uh, where where they come from and how yeah. hard they work to get to where they are. That must, have, must be pretty impressive to see at times when you see certain oh, players yeah. come from nowhere, basically. To, to the major leagues. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, when you when you um you know when you go down there and you're you're you know in Dominican or and on a you know a baseball field in Dominican, you see these kids during the day lined up, you know, twenty deep at every position, wow. taking grounders all day, and you just you know you sit there and you know I I take my kids out all the time and play with them, you know, and I'm always you know giving them BP or uh you know hitting them balls and you know. You know, it's it fungos or infield grounders or whatever it is or long tall whatever it is I'm doing with them. Like you still go like how how could how can my kid compete with, <laughs> with someone who's doing this every single day in nice weather and doing you know focusing on this at all times? I mean, it's 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 uh, it's very um, impressive what these kids do and how how much how hard they work to get there. And obviously, yeah, you're right. I mean, hard work is is uh you know is extremely important talent will get you to a certain level but the hard work is the thing that's gonna you know and you hear it all the time with whoever it is whether it's a michael jordan or you know guys like that i mean you know the hard work is is the you know the separator that's what that's what takes you to the to level to those levels you know that goes with the talent in today's world of if we're getting analytics crammed down our throat, yeah. I, I I agree with the hard work. And I often say to my kids, as hard as, as hard as they work, their lifestyles in some ways handicaps them as opposed to what you're describing in the Dominican. Um, but when you're dealing with, with these players that you believe work hard, and how do you quantify that to somebody in maybe the front office who's never played before, but is so drummed in on these analytics uh, to help them understand the worth of your player? Yeah, it's it's funny because, like you said, the game has changed so much, and and the way players are viewed, and it seems like a lot of these decisions are are already made at this point because they are, um, you know, they are so focused on the analytics. And I, I, Kevin knows this, and I think Dave, you and I have spoken about it as well. But like, I, I love analytics. I, I mean, I think they're great. They're a wonderful asset to the game, but they, to me, to me, the problem is there it's, it's becoming the only thing. And when you're, you, you know, as long as humans are still playing baseball or, you know, you know, with the San Diego, the uh, Los Angeles chargers play football game tonight, like they're, they're, they're another group that seems to be using analytics for everything. Um, you know, you see at the NBA too, but I mean, as long as humans are still playing professional sports, 
Um, I think we have to, you know, we have to keep that in mind and remember that it's not just um, about the numbers because there is a human element to it. Sometimes, you know, you get an old school manager. Um, sometimes you just look at a player in the locker room and just go, you know what, this guy needs a day off today. Uh, you know, I know he, I know he should be in the lineup today and, you know, he's got great stats and he's, you know, he fate, he does well against this type of pitcher or whatever it is. But sometimes you just say, Hey, this guy, this guy, you know, needs a break. And I, you know, I think that's, that's what's missing from the game in a lot of, a lot of places. With pitchers now too, here's another problem I see. And I, I'm curious how you handle it with pitchers. You can pitch a great game. And you could be, and you could be in a Dodgers organization pitching a shutout, and you get pulled out. Yep. You know, and for a reliever, for whatever, throwing a name, and you wind up losing a game, and, and you're out of the playoffs. Mentally, how how can players handle situations like that when they, you know, because it's really hard on pitchers now because I think sometimes they don't realize that pitchers get stronger as the game goes on or figure things out, read swings, all that stuff. Yeah, it's, a, it's, 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 go ahead. Yeah. You no, know, I was going to yeah. say it's very different. I mean, the game is different. Um, you know, I think the, you know, these, some of these eras gone by of, you know, um, uh, you know, past and as, as the game goes on and evolves, um, you're seeing so many changes, especially when it comes to pitching. You know, I think back in the seventies, uh, into the eighties, you know, these guys would, would you know you couldn't get them out of the game you know they would just pitch and pitch and pitch and um for the guys that that did it well and were able to stay healthy and 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 again maybe that's part of it too uh, you know but uh you know whoever you know you're talking about like the, the people we were talking about before and the tom sievers and steve carlton's and guys like that through the years like those guys have have you know been able to just you know put so much on their arms and do so much but you know the, you know uh, would they be able to do that nowadays I, I mean probably not so you know people are still people they're still human beings and still have the same you know makeup physically so um generally speaking obviously but um so you know how how did nolan ryan be able to do what he did over as for as long as he did it and now you know you see People say Jacob Degrom is the best, the best pitcher in the history of baseball. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I think the world of Jacob Degrom. I think he's phenomenal, but I mean, he pitches six innings, generally speaking. I exactly. Mean, it's you know, so it's a different, it's a different game. So, um, you know, it's it's a very, um, you know, it's a very tricky, um, tricky question, and. You know, but the game has changed. It's evolved quite a bit. Um, you know, with Johan Santana, who I represented as well, um, when he, you know, when he ha had the controversial, his no hitter, and it was the controversy was, you know, what he had come off, so, he had come off so many um, injuries, and you know, how long could, could Terry Collins stick with him? Um, you know, people were calling me during the game saying, "Like, I take him out now. They got to take him out now." He's at hundred pitches, at hundred ten pitches, whatever it was. I, I, I said it right then and there. I said. If you got if you don't if you know Johan like I know Johan there was Johan wasn't coming out of the game they were going exactly. to they were going to have to they were going to have to get security and carry him out there was no way he was leaving the game right? there's just no way and you know again I don't think that led to the end of his career a lot of people do 
Uh, I personally, and I, and obviously I know more than most people on the subject, but I don't think it did. I think it was kind of going in that direction, unfortunately, at that point. But, um, you know, he he wasn't leaving that game. And it was uh, obviously a very special moment for the, for the Mets and for their organization and for a lot of their old-time fans. And something he takes pride in today, I'm sure. And No uh, question. No question. Yeah. I think Johan wishes he could have um, kept going, and he tried tried like hell to do that. Uh, unfortunately, it just his body just just had uh, just wasn't good cooperating um, at the end. There. What is he? What's he up to now, Santana? He's kind of taking himself off the radar um, a little bit. He's he's very uh, he's. You know, he knows so much about the game. He would be yeah. So he's great. Uh, he's actually done a little broadcasting for the Twins. He's helped them a little bit in. Um, down there, he lives in Fort Myers um, near the facility. Um, but he's he's um, you know, but he's really uh, just kind of he's really just enjoying life. He's doing a lot of charity work. He's um, with his um, family. His 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 kids are growing up. His son's in uh, playing ball in in school and stuff now. So he's helping him out. He's helping his team out. Um, but he's really uh, he's he's just like a stay home dad now and, and, uh, enjoying, and, you know, enjoying, uh, his life. Well, you see these players from that perspective, probably nobody more down, down to earth than Johan Santana, right? Yeah. He's, he's a, uh, he's a definitely a one of a kind. He's a character. He's very funny and he's very, uh, he's very, um, yeah, he's definitely down to earth guy for sure. You know, for a guy who's accomplished what he's accomplished and done what he's done and, um, and, and, made the money he's made he's very yeah he's very 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 much so um, is there a story you can tell us about his sense of humor oh my god I, yeah there's a lot of them i don't know how many i can tell on the, on the air but he's yeah he's very i mean johan is i'm just uh let me think real quick if i have a good one i mean he's yeah i mean one uh, yeah i'll tell you one <laughs> so we were at the all-star game in detroit and I, I did, he, we just, we went, we went to the, uh, we went to um, a couple of the, you know, events and the parties and things like that, that they have. And then he would not let me, um, he would not let me leave his, uh, we, his hotel. He was like, no, you're staying here. We're just, just stay here. I'm like, and we, there was a few of us or whatever. And I was like, can I just, I just want to go back to my room go to sleep and he was like well what do you got to sleep for i mean it's the all-star game but then uh, he just would not and then he's uh, yeah it was it was he's he's funny he started playing a song called an english song i mean you know and it was called i'm a child of the universe okay. i have no idea what it was it was a really bizarre song and he was just like this this song reminds me of you chris and i'm like Thank you, Johan. And he just kept on playing it, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then he brought it's so funny. I saw him when he came up to New York um, for the um, anniversary, ten year anniversary of the no hitter this past summer, and he was like, "A child of the universe." And he pointed at me. He's just he's he's funny. He doesn't forget now, and he. Yeah. Uh, well, I think again, that's why I kind of alluded to the to the listeners that uh, I think the players you you have one of those personalities where the players like to have you around, obviously. I, I, you know, I like to think so. No, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship. I think it's a relationship dynamic that not a lot of people can exist in and thrive in. Um, I mean, you, you could tell from the interview today that that you've got a knack for it. How'd you develop that? I mean, you, you must, you, you had a background in sports before you became an agent. Give the audience a little taste of that. 
Yeah, I work. I worked in the front office for the Mets. I, I started there um, in, when I was in, in school, and um, uh, I just wouldn't leave. They tried to kept on telling me my internships were ending, and then uh, I kept saying no. I'm good. I, I can't. It can't be over with. And they had asked me um, at one point. They, um, I was like, there has to be something here we can do. This is back when it was at Chase Stadium, and they said, well, you know, I mean, there's one thing, but I don't think you want to do it. I was like what is it? I'll do it. They're like, well, you know, we have like these closets in like the bowels of the stadium to clean out. I was like, Oh, I'll do that. No problem. They're like, the only thing is there's, we don't know what's running around down there. There could be anything, you know, you could have rodents and uh, there could be fleas and all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, Oh my God. Uh, okay. I don't care. I'll do it. I just wouldn't leave. Um, and I ended up um, play, uh, playing, uh, going, you know, basically just, uh, taking different opportunity, you know, whatever they had. And then, um, I had to get myself back in the good graces of Jay Horowitz. Cause he was, I, I was had just going to bring up Jay. It's yeah. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So Jay, yeah. Jay uh, is a longtime Mets PR guy. He started there back in the seventies and, uh, one, you know, Jay's like a second, you know, second father to me now, but back then, um, I had an opportunity to work with, with him, um, I was offered an internship in the, in the PR department at the time. And, uh, I turned it down because I had some other things that I had prioritized. It was a, a it sounds like it was a ton of work. And at the time I was, you know, a kid in college and I just, I was like, I don't know if I could, you know, devote this much time. And, um, he kind of like wrote me off and wasn't happy with me that I turned it down. And then, uh, he wouldn't really deal, deal with me. And then, um, at the time, um, I start, I, so I took this scouting thing, which was a scouting internship in the scouting department. And I, as I did that, I started, um, um, I started doing that. And then um, they took me out of that to help do some, um, some actually, believe it or not, analytics stuff um, back in the day. It wasn't the current analytics, but I was, they asked me to help do that for the manager. So I started doing that stuff and Jay was involved in that and he did, was not happy with me. He definitely didn't like me very much, but, um, at the time, so Kevin, obviously we, you know, Shannon, Shannon right. had started as an intern there, Sweetheart. Shannon yeah. Ford, who, uh, you know, passed away, which she was, uh, she was an intern. Her and I were both from New Jersey. We had good, just like you, Kevin, and we had, we had, we had a great relationship. We were, we were really good friends and, um, you know, she started working with Jay and, um, at the time they didn't have a lot of help there. And I, I knew that. And I was like, so I spoke to the guy who I was working with, um, on the, um, on the, uh, other, you know, on the other side of the, you know, of the office. And I said, can you talk to Jay, put in the good word? He's like, no, I goes, yeah, absolutely. You know, I got a great relationship. Jay. Jay hates me. I was telling him whatever. And I was like, Jay. So he finally put in the good word for me. I went and spoke to Jay. I said, Jay, please you know, anything I can do, whatever. And he's like, I'll give you a couple of things. We'll see how it goes. And literally I, I just, you know, he kept giving me more and more stuff and Shannon and I became my kind of a team. And then, um, that led to, um, you know, um, you know, then I started, once I started working with Jay, uh, you know, permanent, you know, full time, um, and left the other side of the office. Um, that's when I started, um, working with the players and I just had a good rapport with the players. And at the time it was, um, early dates of the internet. There wasn't like you could go on and snap your fingers and anything would appear. And I just was very good at making things happen and getting things what they wanted. Guys would say, Oh, 
you know, a player would say, I need this or I need that. And I'd be like, okay, no problem. And I'd run upstairs to the office and be like, oh my God, this guy needs Lion King tickets. It's the hottest show on Broadway. There's no way I can get them. Make a couple of calls, make a connection. And you know what, you know, and that's kind of how I made my name. Um, people would get traded to the team and be like, uh, you know, and the same thing was, you know, same thing with, believe it or not, fantasy football. I was really good. Oh, at fantasy football. Oh. If you want to get to know players, go fantasy yeah, football. Yeah, I was then. really good at it. And and players would get traded to the Mets and go like, oh, where's Chris? I got to talk to my fantasy team. I, I don't know him, but I heard about him. I know he knows everything about fantasy football. So like, it was just, it was very funny. But that's I, I kind of did that. And then the last thing, Kevin, and I think you know this too, I started playing for the office, the Mets office softball team. And it was all VPs and all the big shots of the company. People wouldn't even look who didn't know me and didn't wouldn't look at me. I started playing. I, I'm a pretty good softball player, and literally they would be like, "You're gonna be there. We play the Yankees on. You know, we played on the field at Chase Stadium. So we would, you know, they were like, "We play the Yankees on Tuesday. We can't lose to the Yankees. You know, you, you gotta be there. there, right? We need I'll you be there." And I was like the leadoff hitter, and I was like. You know, I you know making things happen. And they were like, oh. Then they eventually got. You know, Wait, don't you have a brother? Can you bring your brother to come down? <laughs> you know, so we. It was you know, so that that uh, that those three things that really like kind of like being like the you know, good like concierge type of guy. Um, you know, definitely the fantasy football, and then actually, I definitely helped made my name make my name with the Mets um, by being a, a pretty good softball player. No, that's that's fantastic, and and it shows. I think it shows because uh, we we deal with a lot of young people on our podcast as well. That you know, it's good to be well rounded and have other things going on. And uh, yeah. even with me at the Post, when I first got hired by the Post, I remember I was working in New Jersey, and Bob Drury was our our Giants writer, and I was covering a lot of Giants. And Bob and I hit it off, so Bob put a good word in for me. Plus, plus. Uh, um, I was very good softball player. You know, I played baseball in college. And yes. and when I came in for my interview, I was a young guy. You know, I got this portfolio. I'm getting ready to show him stuff. And and you got to know Jerry Lisker, the sports editor from way back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was like right out of, a, you know, one of those 1930 movies and yeah. um, newspaper movies. And I, I'm getting ready to, uh, you, you know, I'm getting ready to show him my stuff. He goes, God damn it, we don't have to see that. We know you can work. When can you start? Tuesday. And then. It turns out on Wednesday we had softball and, and I, I'm the starting first baseman and we win the championship the, that year. So it all helps. Yeah, it, it helps. It, help, it always helps. Uh, that's very funny. But, it's you know, it's true. Like you just said, I think um, one thing about being an agent, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll you know, you know, just on that, on this note, like, uh, I, like I said, David, it's funny. You, you know, you can go to sleep and go tomorrow. This is what I have planned out and here's my day. And you wake up in the morning to a call or a text and everything's out the window. So I love that. It's always um, something different and always something fun. And uh, not always, not necessarily always fun, but it always keeps you on your toes and it's always exciting. So I think um, that is one, you know, that that's one thing I loved about the job because it was always not, it wasn't always fun, but it was always exciting and always, um, you know, something different. So it wasn't always that, Hey, I'm just sitting here crunching numbers every day and the same thing every day. That wasn't, that wasn't going to be something for me. I love it. I think you gave a, you gave a great perspective on not just you, but on, on the potential career for, for a lot of our audience. We're in 42 countries, Chris. So you're touching a lot of, a lot of lives here from grassroots all the way up to front office people. Um, it's a great messages you're sending. I have one, I only have one more question. And and Kevin, I know you've got the question you like to ask at the end of all of our guests. 
what's the oddest request that you're most proud of that you delivered to either a player that got traded or somebody in that in that locker room? Oh, oh honest request, man. That's you're most proud of. I got so many. Yeah, there's so many crazy things, boy. I mean, a lot of ticket things, you know, a lot of, you know, t- like hot tickets to shows and games and, you know, whatever from the Super Bowl um, on down, things like that. Um, you know, I had, uh, w- uh, you know, what one, yeah, one, well, yeah, I guess um, one thing I could say, uh, one one thing I did with this was actually before I was an agent, I was still with the Mets. I didn't wasn't really doing this, um, but the guy who did the national anthem had told me, um, can you, um, Hey, you know, one guy we've never gotten a chance to do the anthem. We've always tried to get is Mark Anthony. Is there any chance we could get Mark Anthony to do it? The national anthem. And I was like, yeah, of course. No problem. Again, same thing. Like Mark Anthony, how, how am I going to get Mark Anthony? He's one of the biggest international stars in the world. And I had a friend over at Sony music and I reached out to him and he was like, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. And I was like, really? Yeah. You know, he's a big baseball fan. You know, you never know. And, um, I was able to, I, I actually, um, yeah, I, I, we, I tell the whole story, but I, you know, uh, sure enough, the Met, it was a Mets Yankees game. It was a Saturday afternoon. It was a game of the week. Um, this is a, a, in the late nineties, I want to say. And, I'm like, we got Mark, Mark Anthony. I got Mark Anthony to come and I've talking to his people all week, making sure it was all good. I really wasn't involved in the anthem, but I, you know, every once in a while I would help out if I could. So I was, I was, you know, I was really excited. We got Mark Anthony. Uh, it was, I think it was like a one fifteen game. And I think the anthem was like one Oh eight or something like that. So I'm waiting for Mark. I, I get all my pregame stuff done. And now it's like, 12 o'clock and I'm like, all right, well, hopefully Mark will be here. We have a sound check ready for everything. Mark isn't there yet. People call me. They're like, we're on the way. I'm like, okay, where are you? We'll be there. Don't worry. Uh, as they start approaching, it's now about 1245. Still not there. We're, they're going on at 18 minutes to do the anthem. I said, you know, what about the sound check? No, no, no. He doesn't. He's okay. I said, oh boy. Um, cause you got the reverb at the stadium, you know, when you, when you, when you speak in, on the PA, um, not everybody's, you know, familiar with that and people do have trouble with it. So I was a little bit, you know, nervous about that. And sure enough, um, um, now it's about 1255. They call me, they said, we're, we're here, but we can't, it's traffic is outside the stadium. I said, where, where are you, what are you in? They're like, I'm in a black van. I said, Okay. I will. And I'm standing outside the front door now waiting for him, holding a jersey for him. And sure enough, um, I send security. I send security. I call for security. We get the police. They they go and get him. Now it's about 12.58. He's doing the anthem in four minutes. He's still not in the stadium. And they finally, I see the black van pull around the corner. I, I run out. He comes running out of the van, Mark Anthony. He sees me. He starts hugging me. I've never met him before. I said, Mark, are you going to be able to do this? It's, we're going on in like two, two and a half minutes. He's like, let's go. We run through the, lo- through the lobby of, uh, if you remember, Kevin, in the, uh, in the Diamond Club entrance. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we took a left. We run through the tunnel. This guy ran right onto the field and banged it out like it was nothing. Wow. A it real pro. A, a pro. real pro. But it was, a, I mean, it was one of the craziest and most like exhilarating um, 
you know, things. And I was, I was, I, you know, again, they, the Mets had tried so hard to get him. And I was, you know, I made literally made one phone call and got it done. So I was, you know, I was always proud of that. That's, that's one of the ones. Well, I, yeah, I you know, you've, you've delivered Mark Anthony and a lot more to the game. It's great to see. And we always end on this. And now you can take your time to think about this because we ask players, uh, you know, front office people, anybody, and it doesn't necessarily have to be you, but what being a ball player, what does it mean to you? being a ball player what what is a ball player that's a good question um you know i think to me um you know a ball player is a guy who who um knows the game understands the game um is a you know a worker to his craft um you know works works hard um to understand all the facets of the game and understand um, what goes into it and also puts the work in to be able to physically do what's necessary. And, and also just knows, knows, um, you know, this, the, just all aspects of the game. If you're a pitcher, it doesn't mean you can't know about hitting. If you're a hitter, I mean, you almost have to, if you're a hitter, it doesn't mean you don't, you know, you can't know about, pitching or if you're a first baseman it doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to know what outfielders have to do or need to do i think you know and and play the game the right way and 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 know the game inside and out and i think that's that's a ball player to me um you know uh, and sometimes you could see at the lowest levels you know i'm talking about like i coach my my son's eight U team this year, you know, sometimes you look at a kid go that that kid's that kid's a player you know that kid that's a ball player and and i think that's that's what what it is, but obviously there's levels. But I think when you're talking about a, a if you're talking about a big league ball player or a, a professional ball player, you know, that's, you know, that's what I'm looking for. I think that's what, what I like to see. I think, and I think Kevin, you and I are aligned on this and we, you know, we've talked about stuff similar, Perfect. you know, no, great answer. I'll tell you what, Chris, we, we appreciate your time. You gave us almost an hour today and we, we went over um, and I we're thankful for that. Our audience is gonna is gonna love this episode. Um, I know if my two boys make it, I'm giving you a call because I appreciate it. Thank you, and it's been a pleasure being here too. You guys are, you guys are awesome. Thank you very yeah. much. This uh, is uh, and Kevin. Awesome. Thanks again. I know you're busy. You're traveling right now, but as you said, MC, you're being grandfather, and I know you're out there coaching too. I, I know that's not behind you. So I appreciate you coming on today as well, and. Episode 63, Coach and Kern and Podcast Network, Real Voices of the Game. Our audience is thankful, 42 countries right now, and and uh, we're, we're hitting our stride. So, Chris, thanks again. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Take care.